are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Dolphins fans everywhere. It is Monday, February 1st, and today on Locked On Dolphins, we're going to get into the blockbuster trade from this weekend, sending Matt Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams, and how the domino effects from that trade are going to impact your Miami Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and we're also coming off the heels of the Senior Bowl. So there's plenty to talk about from a scouting perspective, the NFL draft, the offseason, the Dolphins, some of draft strategies that may be impacted based on what we saw go down on Saturday. Uh, Saturday, very busy day uh, for all 32 teams, really, because even if you weren't in the Matt Stafford market, which the Dolphins were not, and the Dolphins would have no reason to be in the Matt Stafford market, the NFL draft landscape this season will probably influence and impact the offseason strategy and approach of all 32 teams or as close to all 30 teams as humanly possible. Uh, For the Dolphins, looking specifically at this Matt Stafford for Jared Goff, two future ones and a three. Uh, I got all excited personally when it came out that Stafford was on the trade market because it gave the Dolphins the best possible opportunity to have a trade-back scenario materialize in which the Dolphins would still be able, effectively the Dolphins would be able to have their cake and eat it too, right? We're talking about drafting a wide receiver at number three. If we don't draft Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle, out of Oregon. Do I love the value of any of the three wide receivers at three? No, not when you look at how day two wide receivers have had success coming into the league in recent years. Uh, Not when you look at these three players and positional value and a top three selection. It's just challenging to get excited about the value of any of these receivers when you consider comparable value at the number three spot. So one of the things that I've tried my best to begin to sow here on Locked On Dolphins is exploring trade down options in Detroit, who picks at number seven. When they put Stafford on the market, it became a prime trade back candidate because if a team gives up a one and some change for Matt Stafford, uh, Detroit will suddenly have a plethora of volume at their disposal to make a big splash and potentially jump up into the top three and trade back with the Dolphins. And the Dolphins would only have to go back four spots. A good case study of that, was uh, the Sam Darnold trade with the Jets a couple years back. Uh, The Jets traded up from 6-3 to with the Indianapolis Colts to draft Sam Darnold and gave up three twos in the process. If Detroit sent Matt Stafford to, hypothetically, the New Orleans Saints and they got a 1 at 28 or whatever the New Orleans Saints pick uh, and a 2, would you mean to tell me, or a 1 and a 3, would you mean to tell me you wouldn't get excited about trading back four spots for 28 and uh, maybe a 2022 day two selection? Of course you would have. And of course, this is all null and void uh, because the Lions managed to pull off the blockbuster of all blockbuster quarterback trades, uh, trading 32-year-old Matt Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams 
for quarterback Jared Goff, the 2016 number one overall pick in the NFL draft, a 2021 three, a 2022 one, and a 2023 one. Needless to say, a lot taking place here. And because the Rams sent Goff back in the deal, and because the Lions are getting ones that are two and three years down the road from where we're at right now, I think it's safe to say we can cross the Lions out of the quarterback market. That is done. Obviously, the Rams, not that they had any assets to impact the Dolphins anyway, they're out of the quarterback market as well. They've checked the box. So you as the Dolphins, this deal and sending Goff back for Stafford has eliminated your most attractive trade-back option. Now, you wouldn't have got the greatest return on investment for that trade or your greatest return on that deal. But nevertheless, that was the have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too proposition. Because let's say the first two picks in the NFL draft are Trevor Lawrence and then either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. And then let's say hypothetically Detroit trades up to three and Miami goes back to seven and they draft a quarterback at three, which will not happen anymore. Atlanta, they could go quarterback, they could go offensive tackle, they could go defense. Cincinnati has to go offensive line. They have to. I don't care how much Joe Burrow wants to play with Jamar Chase again. I don't. But even if they did go Jamar Chase, even if the Falcons went Penny Sewell, the Bengals went Jamar Chase, the Dolphins are going to be guaranteed to have one of either Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith on the, the board for them at seven. So this dream is gone and it hurts because I was really excited about this uh, potential. But I do think there is some good that can come from this trade as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins. And it most specifically stems from a report that came out, yes, it was Monday morning quarterback. It's a column uh, from Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated. And what is interesting about this column that Breer dropped this morning is he's included what each one of the other contenders for Matt Stafford was willing to trade to go get him. And I know that package of picks will not be the same as what any team would have to offer to move up in the NFL draft to the number three spot. But at the very least, you get a glimpse into what teams are serious and which teams are pretenders in the quarterback market. So Breer's breakdown ended up having a significant number of teams. We're going to read through the teams right now. The Carolina Panthers offered the number eight overall pick and a later draft selection. The Washington football team offered number 19 overall and a third round choice. The Indianapolis Colts never offered number 21 overall, but they did offer a combination of picks and players. The San Francisco 49ers never got an official offer on the table uh, but they were not willing to part with the number 12 overall choice. The Denver Broncos discussed a pick swap. The New England Patriots offered a second round draft selection and a player. And then the Chicago Bears and New York Jets checked in, but no offers were made. Okay, so this is literally a quarter of the NFL. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Literally a quarter of the NFL in on the quarterback market for Matt Stafford. 
And you have to figure not all of these teams are in striking distance. Uh, the Dolphins probably will not do business with the New England Patriots to go back to 15 to help the Patriots get a quarterback of their choice. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins do not have the Jets on their list of teams to do business with because the Jets are picking at number two. They're in front of the Dolphins. But Carolina at eight, Washington at 19, Indianapolis at 21, San Francisco at 12, Denver at nine, Chicago at 20. These are very important teams to earmark, especially when you take into consideration just how serious they were about the Matt Stafford business. Of course, the Deshaun Watson domino is going to have to fall somewhere along the way. But we're going to overlook the Deshaun Watson saga for now and just look at the Dolphins have three. Which of these teams is the best option for the Dolphins and hope that that team does not fill their void in the quarterback market so that you know this team is going to have swung the bat probably twice because they'll, they'll already have swung on Stafford. It's guaranteed, except for Chicago, who never made an offer. And they were never going to get a deal done anyway because that's an in-division trade in the NFC North. Then you have whatever happens with Deshaun Watson, wherever he goes. We're going to pretend that that is, is still stuck in limbo when the draft comes around. So teams will have called Houston for Deshaun Watson, they will have called Detroit, and they will not have filled the need. Which teams mean business, and what does it mean for what the Miami Dolphins draft strategy could look like after the fact? No two people are alike, and no two tax returns are alike either. Thankfully, TurboTax has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best tax income. Maybe you got married this year and have some questions about how it affects your filing status. Maybe you want an expert to review your return so you don't miss any deductions on the new house you bought. Or maybe you want to hand the whole thing over from start to finish so that you can focus on your blossoming baby photographer career. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you, TurboTax Live tax experts give you the confidence to know that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. Obviously, the greatest takeaway from the pursuit of Matt Stafford is that the Carolina Panthers are going to be our best friends. Uh, because the Carolina Panthers, if they do not get the Deshaun Watson deal, if they were that eager for Stafford, Let's talk business. It's quite clear the endorsement for Teddy Bridgewater is not there with their interest in this trade. And they have one of the NFL's most aggressive owners in Dave Tepper. Dave Tepper, an extremely successful businessman. Uh, he is a killer when it comes to business. And he wants to run his football team the exact same way. No fear, bold moves, for better or for worse. And listen, the Dolphins, with Steve Ross, lived through and endured some of those growing pains in Ross's first decade of owning the team. Tepper's a new owner. Tepper's made it, never made a big investment in a quarterback before. Tepper fired Ron Rivera. Tepper brought in Matt Rule, gave Matt Rule a seven-year fully guaranteed contract, whatever it was. It was a monster contract for Matt Rule, who had never coached at the NFL level before, outbid the New York Giants to keep him in town. Carolina, at eight, you're probably talking about the, the, the forecast of getting a future one. 
So if I'm the Dolphins and I call up Carolina and I say, we know you want to get your hands on one of these top three quarterbacks. We know you're ready. You got Joe Brady here. Uh, Joe Brady's not going to be around for long, so you want to make the most of your investment with him and, and get a year of him working with a young quarterback that can hopefully set him up for success for the long term. We get it. You need to get a quarterback in the building. So we as Miami, we are willing, able, receptive, whatever you want to call it, to drop back from three to eight and still know that the Dolphins will have the peace of mind that most likely, most likely, one of those big three wide receivers will still be on the board. And if he's not, i got a backup plan anyway, which we'll talk about in just a second. His name's been mentioned on here before, but I'm back in. That would require next year's one. It would require 40 overall. And potentially, potentially, an additional draft selection as well. The NFL draft value chart, which was, uh, there's mixed reviews on on how effective it is, uh, but it was made by Jimmy Johnson uh, to, to quantify the value of draft selections, right? Miami moving back from three to eight is a discrepancy of 800 points on the trade value chart. Number 39, which is actually Carolina's second-round pick due to tiebreakers. Uh, They're ahead of the Denver Broncos, so they're at 39, is 510 points. So that still leaves you with a 290-point discrepancy between the value of each of the packages. So you could go to Carolina, and you could command a three as well, and that's valued at the 73 pick would be valued as 225. And maybe that's a more attractive option for the Dolphins. You know, maybe you'd want to come out and say, we want 8, 39, 73, and uh, 168, which is in the sixth round, is 23, to move up. And you pay all your debts in this year. You know, no questions asked, you move forward. I don't know if I like that deal for Miami because we've already talked about some of the uncertainties with this draft uh, order, uh, the, the draft prospects with the COVID-19 pandemic and the draft process is going to be an unorthodox one, to say the least. I don't know if I would like the Dolphins putting all their chips into this year's basket, but getting two more top 75 picks and one more top 40 pick, uh, you could get real excited about picking 8, 18, 36, 39, 50, 73, 81. We want to do that. Do we want to do that deal? And just let the teams in front of us decide whether or not we're going to get Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell or Jamar Chase. Because your doomsday scenario here is you take this trade and then you see those three wide receivers come off the board in the five picks in between. If Carolina moved up, they take a quarterback. We're assuming top three picks are quarterbacks. You do have Trey Lance on the board. Trey Lance is the fourth quarterback from North Dakota State. He goes anywhere in here, you're going to be in fine because Penny Sewell is probably also going to go. An offensive lineman will go. But let's say doomsday scenario, Penny Sewell gets drafted four to the Atlanta Falcons. The Cincinnati Bengals draft Jamar Chase to reunite him with Joe Burrow. The Philadelphia Eagles draft Jalen Waddell. And then the Detroit Lions draft Devontae Smith at number seven. The Dolphins are at eight. You traded back. You just saw all three receivers go in front of you, which will not happen. 
but we're just exploring the doomsday scenario. What do you do? I'm back on board the Kyle Pitts train. <laughs> We've talked about the value of 12 personnel, uh, but we're getting ready to do cross checks over the draft network. And, and the way that we do our draft evaluations is every scout, we have four full-time scouts on staff. You're assigned a region. You do your write-ups in that region. So you get like all the way down through the UDFAs and the nitty-gritty and so on and so forth. And then we hit refresh and we go back to the top of the board and everybody watches the same players from the top of the board together and then we cross-check and cross-reference and cross-grade the same players that were graded out initially by that area scout. So we're at the point where like I can start to watch deep-dive film sessions on guys like Kyle Pitts. And if Kyle Pitts is on the board and the three wide receivers are gone, He's going to play wide receiver so much. And he has this catch radius and he has so much more fluidity to him than what Mike Gusecki does, who is a little bit more of, of a linear pass catcher. You could make a case for paying Kyle, Kyle Pitts on the perimeter, on outside on one-on-one and let him run through press coverage because he's like 235, 240 pounds. I know I've already said it's, it's redundant to have Mike Isecki and Kyle Pitts, but that's only the case if you're going to box Kyle Pitts into just being a tight end. And upon further review, because I've had the opportunity to do some deep dive stuff on Kyle Pitts as of late, because we're into cross-check season, I'm more comfortable now than what I was on the surface level watching of Kyle Pitts to say this is a feasible perimeter pass catcher as well as being a playmaker in the slot. And his ceiling is much higher than Mike's is in the slot anyway. So you get a pass catcher. Or maybe you, you want to go offensive lineman and draft Rayshon Slater out of Northwestern because he could play all five spots along the offensive line. And then you're going to target a wide receiver at 18, whether it's Rashad Bateman or Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU. Or maybe you want to draft a defender there, and then you get to 36, and you want to choose between, okay, do we want Rondale Moore, or do we want Kadarius Toney, or the list goes on and on. You're going to have options at every spot. But I could get excited. I could get just as excited if the combination of picks is right for drafting receivers at 36 and 50, or 36 or 50 and 73 with a trade back with Carolina, or 36 and, and 81. I can get just as excited about that infusion of talent when you consider what free agency has the potential to be for the Dolphins as well. Every option's on the table. How do we get the most bang for our buck and then make the decisions from there? Carolina, our new best friend, because Detroit's out of the quarterback market. The other team that was you know, fairly high up, reasonably interested, uh, the Denver Broncos at nine, right behind Carolina, uh, they seemed like they were being a little prudish with Matt Stafford, which surprises me. I think that team is a quarterback away from making a fair amount of noise. You get a veteran quarterback with all the young, skilled players they have there. I think that could be a really good uh, blend. But Denver talking about a pick swap. I don't know what kind of pick swap you're going to do uh, with Detroit, who was at seven. You know, unless you're going to exchange 41 for nine. But it didn't sound like that was really in the cards, and, and that would have valued Stafford as like the 18th overall pick in the draft, according to the trade value chart. So 
I don't know what Denver had in mind, but they were being a little prudish. So that's a team to remember on the fringe of the quarterback market. They would have to completely fall in love with a quarterback. But then also bear in mind, they have a very realistic chance of landing QB4. And if they only have to compete with Carolina to get QB4, if the top three, you know, if Atlanta takes Justin Fields at, at four or whatever, and Zach Wilson goes two to the Jets, they're not going to come all the way up to three to fill that void. You know, that, that would be a trade-back scenario for Cincinnati or Philadelphia to tackle or Detroit at seven. So I don't think Denver's a very friendly partner for us. San Francisco at 12 is interesting. But I think San Francisco could only happen if the Jets cooperated too. If the Jets draft Justin Fields at two, Zach Wilson... No, for a fact, San Francisco, that's a good fit. Maybe that's what San Francisco, maybe San Francisco says, hey, if we're going to pay up 12, we want to get a young guy. We don't want to get a guy who's 32. Miami trading back from 3 to 12 is a discrepancy of 1,000 points. That is the equivalency of the number 16 overall pick in the draft. So this is definitely a future one. You're definitely going to ask for a future one. You're definitely going to ask for 43, which is San Francisco's next pick. So a future one, the general rule of thumb. You value next year's one at a fraction of the cost, a fraction of the value of what this year's one in the same pick slot costs because you have to wait a year to get it. It makes sense. It's less valuable because you don't get to cash in right away. So next year's one for San Francisco let's say maybe that is valued at 600 points instead of at 1,200 points, uh, which is equivalent to the number 31 pick in the NFL draft. So you're still 600 points away. San Francisco's 43rd overall pick would be 470. So next year's one and 43 is still going to put you over 100 points away on the trade value chart. 107, which is a San Francisco's fourth-round pick, is valued at 80 points. So maybe it's next year's one, 43, 107, and next year's three. And all of that combined could be a really attractive value proposition for the Dolphins. Of course, the question is, how much more at risk are you to see the skill players go? And interestingly... I don't think it's super high risk to go any further back from Carolina because Denver, they're loaded to the teeth with young skill players. They're not going to take them. Carolina, who is a team that we traded up with in the last scenario, they've got one of the best young cores of skill players in the entire league. They're not going to take a wide receiver. So Carolina would not be a threat. Denver would not be a threat. Dallas just took CeeDee Lamb. So you got Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb with Ezekiel Elliott, who they're paying a ton of money to. He's not, they're not a threat. You got the New York Giants, but I think the Giants are probably more likely to take pits than they would be a wide receiver, given that Evan Ingram is entering into a contract year and durability has been an issue there. Same kind of build, same kind of tight end, uh, but one player who's getting ready to hit free agency versus the other who you would have an additional four years of control on beyond just 2021. So maybe San Francisco is a more interesting play to you. You know, you have to wait on your big payoff, but you get another first-round pick for yet another year versus uh, the Carolina proposition 
would be probably more of an immediate payoff, just kind of looking at the numbers. You have a marginal amount of additional risk to take on that your wide receivers are going to be there for you, or at least one of them is. But if you go back, the first wide receiver came off the board at 11 last year. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think between Philadelphia and Detroit and maybe, maybe Cincinnati, I'd be stunned. I'd be so mad for Joe Burrow. <laughs> You're, you have a really good chance of one of the big three still being there at 12. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less. Up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of BuiltBar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. The NFL playoffs are here, and while the Dolphins are not qualified, it does not mean you cannot still be a winner this winter. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust for all of your online sports bets, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. These are the kinds of hypotheticals and questions the Dolphins have to ask themselves. Interestingly enough, the most, the next most engaged team in the market after Carolina was not San Francisco, who was fairly cheap with their negotiations for Stafford. It was Washington. Washington's picking at 19. That's behind Miami's second pick. I don't see the team dropping back that far. But if they did, you would get a ton of picks. You would get like RG3 trade all over. You get like three, three ones from moving back from three to go to 19. Um, do I love that proposition? No, not especially. That's a far ways to drop back. I wish those picks would have been earlier in the order. But uh, Washington has picks 19, 51, uh, 74, 82. You could get a good amount of these, 114, and get multiple ones back too. Uh, but at that point, you've really give opened the door for uh, the Chargers, who are probably going to go offensive line in Minnesota, uh, either edge defender, which is a position of of debatable need for the Dolphins, New England skill player, Arizona skill player, Vegas Raiders, uh, and then Miami, Miami. So I, I don't think that's a very friendly drop back distance, three to nineteen, which is a shame because they are very plugged into the market. So in summary, uh, the teams most dialed in on Matt Stafford, Carolina, and Washington. That's good news for the Dolphins because. Even if one of those teams moves, San Francisco is also a team to, to circle here. 
even if one of those teams moves for Deshaun Watson, not all these spots are going to get to fill their quarterback need with Deshaun Watson. So, therefore, the Dolphins should be paying very much attention on who the other quarterback-hungry teams are and how serious they are about doing business. We see Carolina at 8, which is huge news and very good news for the Dolphins. Washington, you know, maybe if maybe if we're very comfortable with the depth of the wide receiver class and we we maybe just want to really take another tonsil deal and set this team up for unbelievable sustained draft selections in the future. San Francisco, I think, is more serious about a young quarterback than they are an old quarterback. Not that Matt Stafford's old. League years, he's old. So those are those are the three big teams I think that the Dolphins need to stay dialed in on, and the Matt Stafford news and Jared Goff trade kind of showed us that. So we lost our best option with Detroit, and Detroit's very much in play for a wide receiver. They have no wide receivers left on the roster. So that is, that is a cost that the Dolphins will now have to ask themselves if they're comfortable in taking. You know, do we feel these guys are interchangeable? If the answer is yes, then let's do some business here. Because the forecast lays out very favorably to drop back into 8 or 12 and still get one of the big three, or Kyle Pitts. And I went through the doomsday scenarios. I think the most likely scenarios look nothing like what we talked about with this hypothetical. I would say the, the most likely scenario is Jacksonville, New York, and Miami, whoever they trade with, let's call it Carolina. In the most likely scenario, those three picks are quarterbacks. I think Atlanta really has to look at corner. They have to look at Micah Parsons, Penny Sewell. Even if they draft Penny Sewell, I think Cincinnati is more likely to go with an offensive lineman. So let's call it Penny Sewell, Rayshon Slater. Uh, who some people, including Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, think is going to go before Penny Sewell. Uh, so you get two offensive linemen here early. Philadelphia can go corner just as easy as they can go wide receiver. I think if Jamar Chase is there for them, they take Jamar Chase. And then you have Detroit, you know, and they'll take either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. I think it's extremely likely that one of the big three will still be available at eight which makes Carolina the team that we are all rooting for to not get Deshaun Watson. Kyle Krabs, hope you enjoyed today's episode of Locked On Dolphins. I planned on getting into a lot more today than what we did, but we, you know, we spiraled down these hypothetical rabbit holes. And these are the conversations that the team will inevitably sit around and ask themselves. So we have to benefit from asking it as well, because my biggest point of emphasis and reminder for you as a Dolphins fan throughout this offseason, just like we said last offseason, do not marry yourself to a single outcome. We have to be open-minded. We have to explore all the possibilities. So that way, when the Dolphins choose whatever path they want to take, we can react to it, even keel, with perspective and understanding, and then hopefully excitement about what the future holds. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks as always for listening to Locked on Dolphins. Tomorrow, power to the pod. It's your show, your questions, topics, you name it, we talk about it. Looking forward to it. So hit subscribe, come on back, and see me again tomorrow. Thanks for listening, guys.